0: If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a
1: podcast that will help you ease your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's Ruin.
2: Hey, everybody, welcome back to
1: Ruin. I'm Hallie. And I'm Allison.
2: And this is a podcast where we ruin a horror movie for you, just for you in your little house. With your little ears listening to our little sounds, the lights off. With your little headphones. With your little eyes, your little mouth, your little teeth. I don't know your business. They could be big too. This is also a horror movie now. Uh-huh. Yeah, huh <laughs> Yeah, little your tiny baby corn.
1: Tiny baby burgers, corn. Which to
2: you are the size of footballs. Um, <laughs> but yes, yeah, this month we are um Keeping it going with our pride theme movies. And we are, yes. of course, um, reading your emails and comments, which we really appreciate. Yes. And we had one this week. Your emails was... to us.
1: We're not reading your emails. You know, don't, we're, not, we're not big brothering you guys.
2: Um, yeah, I'm definitely not logging into all of our
1: fans' emails and reading them. They're just all work. It wouldn't even be, like, salacious. To it be would be like... It'd be, like, so many newsletters about sales. It would just be, like, so many <laughs> shopping emails. Pottery Barn. That's what you get if you log into email.
2: Yeah, just shot things I shopped at once eight years ago, and then I have yeah. five thousand uh, emails from them. Yes, but we do have questions uh,
1: from the question you guys that we we, have. we love we love answering them. And please send us any questions you have about the world of horror uh, or really anything else. I mean, we'll answer any questions.
2: Um, and the question we had this week was from Charlie. Charlie, thank you so much for writing us. And the yes. question was: Have you ever considered ruining a TV series? The haunting of Hill House comes to mind, or the Exorcist TV series, which has a fun connection to the movie. This is a great oh. question, Charlie, and um, the answer is absolutely. I love Haunting of Hill House. The movies, the TV shows that I would like to ruin, and we just need to figure out like how we would do that. Um, is yeah. uh, Sci Fi's Channel Zero? Uh, in case you're someone listening because you like horror and you happen to not have seen this show yet, Channel Zero, it, it, there were four seasons of it, and each season was a different, fully realized horror story. Oh. I want to say there were like 10, 10 or 13 episodes each season, and they're all so good. And they're genuinely very spooky. So if you're listening to this thinking, oh, a TV show will be less scary than a movie,
1: don't, don't watch it. There's no reason to believe that a TV show would be less scary than a movie. So at first, that was my thought. But having seen, I mean, like I just remember when I would watch uh, other things on FX and see ads for American Horror Story, I'd be like, "Oh yes, well, don't air these at night." Like <laughs> no, no, I'm just watching. It's always sunny, or some movie with a million commercials. I don't want to see a bloody clown or whatever else was happening on that mm, show. But I do want to. But I do want to know what it was about. They really did tease it. So
2: I I just feel like eventually we will do a TV show. I love horror TV, any even like uh, American Horror Story, which varies greatly in its quality over time. that I've heard. Um, But listen, there's a new season coming out this summer. I'm absolutely going to watch it and have a lot of opinions about it. Um, So yes, I'm very excited. I have not seen The Exorcist TV show, but I have heard good things about it. Um, I mean, listen, we could do Hannibal. I mean, like there's so many shows where it's like they are, in my mind, horror or horror adjacent, even if they're not – Technically, specifically horror—that would be really fun and something that you would go read on Wikipedia,
1: which is exactly our wheelhouse. Yes, yes, we are your out loud Wikipedia. So, um, yeah. thank you for that question, and we are down. We're going to do it um, absolutely <laughs> once we figure out how. But uh, you know, to get to the movie, get away from TV and get to the movie this week. We are still continuing uh, because it is Pride Month. We are are, are featuring movies with LGBTQ. Uh, storylines and, and plots and characters, um, of which there are not enough is what I would say. Um, and, uh, when we proposed this theme and we put it out there on our social for June, uh, one of our followers, Jess messaged us and said, oh boy, is Nightmare on Elm Street 2 going to be featured this month? Jess, you're both right and in luck because it is, we're doing it.
2: Boy, is it. And you know, um, Jess, thanks so much for writing in, uh, writing that suggestion or guessing it, rather, because uh, we realized after we decided to do this movie that we have, in fact, done the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie. We simply have not released it. So we are going to be doing Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, before the previous. Now, don't worry if you haven't seen it. It's not hard to piece together. It's a film that
1: if you just see a picture of Freddy Krueger and say, that's a bad guy, you say, I get it. Got it. it. I got it. So... We are, we are going back, we're going dessert first and uh, starting with the sequel, but I'm <laughs> and, excited. And this is a very a very
2: controversial film. We're going to talk about some, some of that more at the end of the film. Um, I was reading an article by uh, Tyler Coates, oh, hello, who I know in real life. And uh, the title of it is, A Nightmare on Elm Street 2 is the gayest horror movie ever made, I um, wow. wrote that for Decider, if you want to take a look at that. And that is sort of, um, you know, part of our conversation about Pride is sort of like films that are, um, have gay th- themes, are they intentional? And then what are, what is the intent? Because I feel like, yes. um, like a lot of different LGBTQ topics in horror, we really ride the line between homoerotic and... And homophobic, and yes. boy, you tell me I'll tell you the eighties was full that kind of stuff, oh, and this yes. is fully that kind of movie where it's like again, we want to acknowledge we're watching it with two thousand and twenty one eyes where right. I think it's like, oh, it's fun, it's camp, but seeing it as you know obviously as an LGBTq person, either you would may have loved it or you might have been like. All right, you got to put it in a horror movie. Like, you get, we, we, what do we right. got to do? What, what are we saying with this? Um, right. Not that we have the definitive answer on that, but we will dis- discuss some of that at the end of the film. So uh, before we get into it, we, of course, like to have Allison watch the trailer for the movie. And Allison, what did you think of the trailer for A Nightmare on Elm Street 2?
1: I loved it. It's great. so stylish. Um, I'm like, everybody looks great. There's a lot, like, visually, there's a lot going on, and it's, like, interesting and cool-looking. But also, like, uh, audio-wise, like, it's that it's that uh, classic uh, horror slasher. Just high-pitched violins for the entire time. Yes. <laughs> it's just like... Um, which does add to a lot of the terror. I mean, it you know, because we have talked about the original Nightmare on Elm Street, I know, like, a little bit about Freddy. Uh, so I was like, "All right, I could put the pieces together here and see what's going on." And it seems like he's just back. He's back, and that's, yeah, that's scary. The, that's the thing about Freddie is he's just back. He's you know, just back. He, he's just gonna he does what he does.
2: You There's might no think, new oh, agenda. We have yeah. defeated him. We've we've subverted his plan. He's
1: just back, he's just and back. he he already had the razor gloves made. He's not gonna not use them. I mean, he's put this whole look together. He's gonna wear it once. So, I, su- <laughs> exactly. I support his coming back.
2: Right, you invest in quality pieces you wear over right. and over again, and for right. him, those are gloves. These are wardrobe on staples,
1: mm-hmm.
2: exactly. Yeah. Um, we also uh, like to get baseline scary, and because we have not aired a Nightmare on Elm Street, Allison, how scary do you find the concept of Freddy Krueger?
1: <laughs> Very. I mean, I remember seeing him. Seeing him around, <laughs> um, but, like, seeing, like, pictures of him or him in, like, trailers and stuff like that when I was a kid and being like, well, that's the scariest thing I've ever fucking seen. Right. Like, he Ooh. has no skin or burned skin, um, and he's wearing a stupid hat, uh, like, yeah. he runs just for laughs, and, uh, you know, he uh, he's scary. He's a scary guy, so I find <laughs> that scary. And knowing his, like, whole vibe about living in your nightmares— I am mm-hmm. someone who has a lot of nightmares, so I'm just like, well, I don't need more people in there. It's already so crowded with terror.
2: Do you also, Allison, find your, like, do you have trouble sleeping, or is it more like you can get to sleep, but then you're someone who does have nightmares? I'd say
1: across the board, sleep is a problem. Okay. <laughs> I, am not, I don't sleep uh, super well. It takes me a minute to fall, a while to fall asleep. I don't stay asleep, and I always want to be asleep.
2: Well, and I Jessie— yeah, Jesse, our protagonist has a lot of those problems. I, you know, uh, Dave, boyfriend of the pod, is also a very tough sleeper. Mm. He, you know, he needs to be everything to be perfectly calibrated. I could fall asleep yes. like on a wooden chair on a sidewalk, like in the middle of the day. <laughs> like it really would not. It, you know, I you look
1: take- forward to encountering that one day. Oh, I'm just like, oh, Hallie's <laughs> yeah. in town, and you're just on a chair in the sidewalk asleep at noon, and I'm like, well, it's she's completely a heavy sleeper. passed out. Um,
2: so, yeah, I, I do—I feel like that is part of what's really scary about Nightmare on Elm Street. There is something about, like, these poor teens having to stay awake, oh, like, for days yeah. on end, oh, like, God. mainlining coffee, like, trying to stay up against, like, the, the your body's delicious need to fall into a deep sleep. Yes. Because, of course, yes. somebody's hanging out there, and he is, as we said, a bad dude. But let us um, begin. Before we do, of course, Allison— do you think there'll be a twist in Nightmare on Elm Street 2 and if so, would you like to guess the twist?
1: Guess the twist. I mean, I could uh, maybe a cl- less of a twist and more of a cliffhanger exists, like we think he's dead and then he's not kind of vibes. Right. Okay. That's what I'm imagining.
2: Uh, you're getting real good at this, is what I would say. I'm getting good at this. You're getting real good. Getting also, good you know, there's like four other films in the franchise after yes, this one. Exactly. So, um, well, so let us begin. We are about to spoil for you. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street 2: Freddy's Revenge. Um, we open on a school bus. It's headed down a sunny suburban street. It's uh, actually driven by Robert England, who is the actor who plays Freddy. He's just not in costume, oh, so he's fun. driving the film. And we see the new boy in town, Jesse Walsh. And uh, some girls are kind of giggling about him. And everyone's getting off the bus as they arrive home until it's him and two girls left. And then suddenly the bus just starts speeding down a suburban street. And one of the girls is like, that was my stop. Stop the bus. Suddenly the bus just drives out into the desert. What? While and the Jesse and the girls are screaming. And we see that the hand on the gear shift, well, it has a signature razor glove that we associate with only one guy. And Mm, he's mm -hmm, driving, like, mm -hmm. over hills. He's slamming until finally the bus comes to a rest. And Jesse's trying to open the window, panicking. And as he and the girls watch, the ground around the bus starts caving away until the bus is sort of precariously perched on, like, columns, Above a cavernous, glowing, hell mouth. Nope. And, of course, the driver whips around. You know he's laughing maniacally. You know it's Freddy Krueger. And I'm like, as if high school wasn't hard enough. And the girls and Jesse are like, oh, no, as Freddy stalks to the back of the bus as he claws up the seats. You know, they scream. And then suddenly we're in a normal suburban kitchen, and we're with Mom, Cheryl, and Dad, Ken, as well as little adorable Moppet, Angela. And we hear Jesse is upstairs screaming himself awake. So it's oh, like good. seven in the morning, everyone's having breakfast, and you just hear Jesse like screaming in horror out of a deep sleep. Cool. Super and much fun. like yeah, much like most parents in a horror movie, like to me, that's enough to be like, okay, we gotta at least take this kid to the doctor,
1: you know, like yes. we, or like a sleep the specialist
2: or the very you know, least.
1: Like the least you could do would be to investigate the sleep problems of a teen.
2: Yeah. And um, but for the most part throughout the film, uh, his parents, especially the dad, are like this kid's just gotta straighten up. You know, he's got to buckle down and really start taking things seriously. And it's like, well, he's being stalked through his dreams by some sort of, you know, a child serial killer through from the beyond. So give him a little break here. Um, so he it turns out that Jesse is a new kid. The family just moved to town, but he's already met a girl named Lisa who is sort of like, you know, they haven't, like, hooked up or kissed or anything, but, like, she's clearly interested in him. He's, you know, hanging out with her. Um, she arrives at the door, and he drives her to school in this, like, beautiful beater convertible that he calls the deadly Ooh. dinosaur. That is Love the kind it. of thing if somebody had in high school, like, everyone would be like, that's the coolest fucking person you've ever met.
1: Of course. Having a cool car in high school Ugh. is is absolutely just one of the most undeniable cool things. Like, that just, like, it's like, I don't care who you are. If you had a cool car, that, I mean, you automatically had a personality and a lot of friends.
2: I remember in my uh, high school year, if I remember correctly, I believe that there were categories, you know, like the superlatives. There was both worst driver and worst car, which seems really needlessly cruel. (laughs) Because it's like clearly the people with the worst car are just people were like their family's like this is the car that we have so you could drive yeah, this yeah it's just like about money I mean, hopefully you don't have it now yeah if you go to if you go to my high school please write in um, if you remember me from high school let me know uh, so they're in gym class that day and the boys are playing baseball and uh, Lisa is sort of you know looking moony eyed at Jesse and her friend Carrie's like are you getting any yet are you guys porking you know. Just then, Jesse is hit square in the head with a baseball, and all the boys sort of run over to him. And this gym teacher, who's a complete ass- asshole, Coach Schneider comes over and he's like, get up, shake it off, you know, like just like an, an, an 80s gym teacher, you know, in a in a film should be. Um, and Jesse is friends with this guy, Ron Grady, who they call Grady in the film, and he tags Grady out. And then they end up getting right. into like sort of a fight. Like he like insults him. But in the fight, like Grady like pulls Jesse's pants down so his ass is out. And then they get into like a full wrestling match with like Grady's shirt riding up. And there is a moment where you're like, okay. All right. Okay. I, I okay. guess I see that this would be there's something a little, there's a, a, a distinct flavor, a, a distinct yes. uh, subtext that's yes. not really yes. a subtext that somebody's ass is fully out this early in the movie. And Coach Snyder yes. um, busts it up, and he punishes the boys by making them do push-ups until they basically collapse. And Grady tells Jesse, you know, um, Coach Schneider hangs out at, at S- S&M Joints downtown. He likes pretty boys like you. Whoa. And Jesse's like, what? Okay. And then he switches topics, and he says, oh, so you have you been mounting Lisa nightly or what? So it's like, are you, are you fucking Lisa? And Jesse's like, I just moved here, man. Like, I got it. You play, this, you're bringing a lot to my table, you know? It's a lot. And that's where we're at. This movie is all about who's fucking who. Who's you know, fucking who. Terrible secrets. Like, asses falling okay. out of sweatpants. You know, people having their sweatshirts right up. All that sort of stuff. So in the locker room, Grady asked Jesse where his family moved to. And we realized that the Walshes have moved into um, Nancy Thompson's old house. So if you have not seen the first one... Nancy Thompson is the protagonist. She lived in this house, and she had to go through this gauntlet with Freddie. Her boyfriend, Glenn, played by um, Johnny Depp, is murdered by him. She had to go through it first. And so now, right. um, Jesse has moved into her house. But that has no meaning to him. He's like, I don't know who that is. Like, did she go here? Like, who cares, right. you know? And it's like, well, you're in for a ride. And uh, Grady tells him, you know, uh, a, a kid like who went here, she got locked in the house— and she had to watch while her boyfriend got killed by some maniac next door, which does happen in the first film. And Jesse's like, okay, like you're probably just trying to scare me. But that night, he can't go to sleep. It's incredibly hot in their house. So he's like tossing a turning, and oh, he goes God. down to the kitchen and he uh, drops a bottle of orange juice and he's like trying to clean it up. And he sees someone walking outside in the yard, like the reflection of a red and green striped sweater. Oh, so that Jesse, be? God bless him, goes outside and from outside, he can see into their basement, and he sees Freddy fucking Krueger. I mean, just hanging out? What's he doing? He's taking something out of the furnace, and the thing he's taking out is like a bundle. It's unburned. So Jesse goes inside, and he goes to open the basement door, and of course, Freddy fucking runs up the stairs after him, and Jesse's screaming for his father, only to have Freddy Krueger sort of appear out of the darkness next to him and say, Mm. Daddy can't help you now. I need you, Jesse. You've got the body and I've got the brains. And then Freddy takes off his hat, revealing his bare exposed brains. And boy, he laughs his ass off.
1: And this thing about Freddy Krueger is he thinks each one of his jokes are fucking hilarious. I mean, I will say, of all of the villains we've encountered in all the movies we've covered, no one is having more fun and doing more Mm -hmm. than Freddy Krueger.
2: Nobody is doing more than him, and I guess even as I say this, like you see me when I when I did stand up, I left my my own jokes the whole time. I was totally oh, yeah. tickled by all my jokes. So yeah, I think I'm a genius. Yeah, I, like could you believe I just said that? <laughs> so unfortunately, as a result, the next day they're in science class, and Jesse is struggling to stay awake. He's already having the, like learning like if I go to sleep, I see this man. He shows up, and it's like insane. Grady's sort of, you know, teasing him with these other boys. And uh, when Jesse falls asleep, he wakes up with a scream and there's a boa constrictor wrapped around his throat. And you're like, oh my God, he's in a dream. No, it's an actual boa constrictor. No. Grady and the other boys put it on him as a <gasps> prank. Where did they even get it? Apparently it's the science lab's snake. Did you have this at your school? We had a guinea pig that lived in the science class. I
1: think one of my science labs did have a snake. I'm just like, it just like feels like that's in my brain and as something that I've seen. Mm-hmm. I do remember that one of my science labs in middle school had those giant, I'm going to like throw up even talking about this, those Ooh. giant cockroaches. Not like not like oh, a large okay. city, yeah, city cockroach, but the ones that are like the size of a mouse. They're like hiss. Don't they hiss or something? They They make some sort of, oh. And I remember it was just like an aquarium with a bunch of those in it. And I'm just like... Um no? Why is this here? <laughs> and that's why, why was, that's why you became a writer, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm like, I, I could have gotten really into science, but you know, the cockroaches.
2: Now you went to the high school where they um where they shot uh where
1: human set of play takes place is what I'm saying. Yes, yes, it's yes, just like yes, every yes. school, every <sighs> class is disgusting. So they have a boa constrictor on campus for some reason, and these boys are like, let's use it for a prank. Let's put it on Jesse. But
2: Jesse also laughs.
1: Like, that's what he's like, okay,
2: they're just pranking me. They're hazing me. I'm like the new kid, you know. We also see that Lisa is rich as hell. Like, she has a swimming pool and lives in a mansion, and she's a cordless phone you could take outside, you know. And she's really clearly interested in Jesse, and she's hoping they could hang out that night. But his dad Mm -hmm. said, you have to unpack your room. And you cannot, unless you unpack, you cannot leave. He walks in. His room's a disaster. So, of course, he puts on some music, and he has a funky montage where he's, like, trying on different sunglasses. He's, like, booty bumping. The drawer's closed. He's dancing on his bed. And at one point, he's sort of, like, I don't know what he's holding, but he's, like, thrusting, like, while he's dancing. Just then, his mother opens the door, and Lisa has invited herself over. Jesse's mortified. But Lisa thinks it's adorable, and immediately is like, oh, can I help you unpack? Like, Lisa is so thirsty in this movie. I mean, and she immediately, high Yeah. I, she has the right strategy, where it's like, I'll just show up, and then he'll want to hang yeah. out with me. That is
1: all you need to do in high school.
2: So she, finds his, she immediately finds his bottle of jock itch powder, which is a fun, a fun bit. But while she's helping him put away his clothes in the, in the closet, she finds Nancy Thompson's diary. So it turns out Nancy Thompson, the first film, this is from mm-hmm. five years ago. So they read this passage about Nancy, like, watching her boyfriend across the road, getting undressed for bed. And it's really horny of, like, looking at his body and, like, how great he looks. This movie is so horny. And they're like, oh, okay. But then when they keep reading on... He comes to me at night, horrible, ugly, Mm. dirty, under the sheets with me, (laughs) tearing at my nightgown (laughs) with his steel claws. His name is Fred. And he keeps trying to take me to the boiler room.
0: He wants to kill me.
2: And Jesse sort of realizing, like, oh, shit, somebody wrote their diary about the exact thing that, that has started to happen to me. Also, good on her for keeping a diary of all of that. Absolutely. So, unfortunately, that—Lisa goes home. That night, Jesse wakes up to find his room is so hot, his, like, lamp and his records are melting. So he goes out of bed to go check the boiler, and inside it, he finds the same wrapped package that Freddie pulled out, like in his previous dream. And it's one of Freddie's clawed gloves. And then, of course, suddenly Freddie is there and he tells Jesse, Try it on for size. I want you to kill for me. And oh, Jesse suddenly God. wakes up in the basement. But unfortunately, the glove is still there, even though he's no longer dreaming. Allison, if you found yourself in this situation, oh. I'm asking you, what would you do?
1: What would you do? I would tell my parents that we have to move. It could okay. be to another, ha- it could be in the same area, but like mm-hmm. we have to, it's like, you know, as a teenager, you're like, I don't understand all of the money you lose selling a house, so <laughs> I will propose this. But like, I I, I would just, I'd be like, we have I just have to get out of here. Like, this is right. clearly, like, this is a pro Like, I can't sleep. Now there's a glove. I woke up in the basement. Like, what? Yeah. The, the, we can't live
2: here. Um, I think unfortunately you are right, but I think it's sort of similar to the birds where it's like, I'm going to call the cops. The cops are like, so you want me to shoot all birds? Like I think my parents would be like, so you're having nightmares, so we're going to go to a new house. Won't you just have nightmares then? We of course I would
1: try. I would want to be like, let me try and sleep somewhere else for a week and see Mm -hmm. what happens to like prove like, hey, I'm fine here. Yeah, I guess nowadays. If that's how it works. I don't know if he's like, you know. That's true geographical or, or how Freddie works.
2: Yeah, I, it, because he can enter your dreams, it is hard. It seems like he's more powerful than God. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it just seems yes, like absolutely. at any point I, in time, he could sort of manifest physically in and in, in, in hurt you. He could physically kill you in your dreams. That's, I, I don't know what you do about that. Um, so luckily, uh, Lisa is a very sympathetic ear. Also the actress who plays Lisa looks exactly like a young Meryl Streep. So in my mind, oh, I can't, my brain was like, that's Meryl Streep. <laughs> Let me see who, the, the, who plays um, Lisa. It's Kim Myers. And a beautiful woman literally looks. Uh, so uh, imagine Meryl Streep in this role, if you will, please. Um, that's fine. And so Lisa's on Lisa, she's on board. She's like, I will read the diary. I will tell me about your dreams. We I'm gonna help you figure this out. Which so he does have someone who's like willing to like engage with him about it. Um back in the locker room, a lot of locker room time in this film. Grady and Jesse are complaining about Coach Snyder and what an asshole he is. Of course they don't realize he's standing right behind them and he punishes <gasps> them by making him do push-ups over and over again. Now here's a scene that I cannot wait to describe to you, Allison. This is maybe okay. my favorite scene to, to ever tell you about because I just saw okay. it. And I'm like, wow, oh, I, Allison's gonna love this. I'm so, so excited. So that night, the entire Walsh family is home, and it's it's incredibly hot in the house. It's all about the boiler, and it's all about like you know, uh, Freddie wants to take you to the boiler room. He's under the house. He's making the house hot, so you have to go down mm-hmm. and like see him in the bo- in the boiler room. Okay. And the dad goes to check on the thermostat. He's like, it's 97 degrees in here. Who set the thermostat this high? Of course, it was Freddy Krueger. Because he's going to murder, but he's also going to fuck with your dad's thermostat yeah. just to be a bitch. Yes. Yeah, just because he's all about fun. Just said we see Jesse's mom put a, the cover on their bird cage. And it turns oh. out the family has two adorable little birds. I, I thought they were little tiny parrots. I could be wrong, but in my mind, they were little parrots. Little and, parrots, Okay. Suddenly, so, she, so they're going to bed. She puts the cover on. Suddenly the bird cage starts shaking. And 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 Jesse rips off the cover. And one of the birds is killing the other birds. And so okay. in his attempt to break them up, Jesse opens the door. And the surviving bird f- starts flying around, scratching oh people's faces. The dad oh gets attacked. The a dad's menace. like swinging a broom. Cre- total chaos. And then finally they're trying to figure out how do we stop this bird attacking us. Suddenly, Allison, the bird just explodes into what? a ball of flame in the air. What <laughs> in the middle of the living room? <laughs> what? And Jesse's dad is like, "There must be a gas leak," which is not no. how gas leaks work. I, no. I don't want to. I don't want to overstep my knowledge, but you know. So the so they're like, "Oh, you know, we have to figure the gas leak." And Jesse's like, "That's insane. It's obviously not that. That makes why would that have happened?" And so his dad says then you must have done it you must have used firecrackers to blow up the bird which is like why would you do what? that you didn't That's- you saw that the bird was just fine like there's no way that would happen but the dad again you, if you don't believe in the supernatural in horror movies you will be punished by it yes that very night it is incredibly <sighs> hot again and Jesse goes down into the kitchen only to have lightning strike through the window and blow up a bunch of plates on the drying rack, which I think they thought was going to be scarier than it was. Because I'm like, oh, I the mean, plates. Well, okay, but plates. he was fine. Not the plates. Then <laughs> something really interesting happens. Next thing you know, Jesse is walking through the pouring rain to a seedy s and bar downtown Great. called Don's Place. And it's obviously queer. Like, we see straight couples are in goth and punk wear, but then we also see gay couples. And, like, everyone there seems very, very chill, very open, very interested, to the point that Jesse, who is soaking wet and wearing a pajama top and, like, jeans, walks in to order a beer. No one even gives it a side eye. Yeah, but that's that's totally fine. And so he orders a beer, and he's about to drink it. Of course he's underage, and Jesse's about to drink the beer. Coach Snyder appears— and he grabs his hand, and I guess because, well, I guess it's true Coach Snyder was at this SM bar, but he saw Jesse drinking, so Jesse must be punished. Oh, no. So Coach Snyder, who's also wearing a tank top, nice. brings Jesse back to the school and has him run laps around
1: the gym. Oh, God. It's the middle of the night. No. I couldn't do that in peak physical performance at whatever the ideal time to run is.
2: Yeah, it's it's overstepping a lot of professional boundaries also. Yes, it absolutely is. It absolutely so, is. So, as Jesse takes a long, luxurious shower that, like, we'll discuss at the end, but it's, like, it's kind of, like, lovingly shot. Like, it's, like, really—like, it's kind of scary, but it's, like, erotic. Like, he looks great. Like, yeah. it's shot of way we are like, man, where are we going with this? I don't yeah, know. I mean, this movie feels like it's taking all kinds of twists and turns. And Coach Snyder, he is—he's um, in his office— And he suddenly hears this, like, pinging noise, and he realizes all the strings on his tennis racket snap, and basketballs, Uh suddenly basketballs and dodgeballs and tennis balls starts flying at him from the shelves, pummeling him, and he's kind of taking it in stride, which I guess, like, he's a gym teacher. He's like, yeah, this seems like what happens at the gym. Yeah, totally. Unfortunately, two jump ropes leap off of his desk and drag him screaming into the shower, well, Allison... Jesse's there. He's t- showering, so fully nude. As he watches in horror, Coach Snyder is tied up, spread eagle to, like, the, the, the metal bars of the shower. Oh, my God. Stripped by an invisible hand <gasps> and then repeatedly spanked by towels flying across the room until Freddie shows up and, unfortunately, just starts clawing his back, yeah. just, like, ripping yeah. him apart. And then suddenly Jesse looks down and he's wearing the razor glove and he's covered in blood.
1: <gasps> and
2: he's like, oh shit. We're, suddenly we're back at the Walsh's house. Mr. and Mrs. Walsh get up. It's still the middle of the night. They hear the knock at the door and there are two cops returning Jesse saying we found him wandering naked near the highway and we need to return him. His dad, in like every movie, what is is trying to be helpful. It's like, okay, so what drugs are you taking and who gave them to you? And just right. is like, I'm not on drugs. Because he cannot tell his family, I am being puppeted by some sort of demonic demon. Nightmare
1: feature, yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, who is also maybe engaging in some sort of, uh, tapping into some homoerotic element within me. Unclear, uncertain, will never be clarified. Right. But it's hard to tell your dad that, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's a lot, it's, it's, it's more work than it's worth.
2: It's a lot. That's what the whole movie is. That's a lot. It's a lot. So in the morning, um, his mom is like, uh, they, tries to stop him, but, you know, uh, Jesse drives off. And his mom tells his dad, like, we need to get him psychiatric help. Like Something's going on with him. Like, he's not sleeping. And w- why was he naked near the highway? And his dad's like, what he needs is a kick of the butt and a methadone clinic. And I think it's okay. interesting how much, how much uh, progress we've made. We're sort of like oh, he's a drug addict. It's like, well, if he's doing drugs, it might be because there's an underlying issue. I think we're more engaged with that now. Where it's like, if you think your son is in methadone clinic, that's not like he needs to straighten up. It's like he probably also needs psychiatric capital. They're not not different things. Right. But they were then. Exactly. Pop
1: culture-wise. Where if you did drugs,
2: you were, quote-unquote, a failure, rather than you did Mm -hmm. drugs because, in real life, this person would be struggling with a mental illness or some other issue in his life that you don't know about. For example, his... Coach taking him like fighting with S and bar like you know I mean yeah. there's a whole complicated so yeah. we're more aware of those things now. There's a lot, unfortunately. By the time you know Jesse uh, picks up Lisa and they get to the school, the cops are swarming the building because oh, okay. Coach Snyder was found murdered in the in the school. <gasps> so that did happen. So his murder did happen. So now Jesse's like, oh shit. Fuck. I But he still can't tell anyone. He doesn't even tell Lisa. That night, poor Jesse, he's drenched in sweat. It's so hot. It's like 97 degrees. He hears something scrabbling around in his dresser drawers. Mm -mm. And he finds Freddy's razor glove, and he hears Freddy in his ear demanding, kill for me. And then he opens, Jesse (sighs) goes to his sister's door, and he opens it, Angela, and he sees a vision of her, and she's singing the jump rope song that is featured in the trailer and in other, if you've ever heard it, uh, one, two, Freddy's coming for you, three, four, better shut the door. I don't know who has the copyright, but it's a very terrifying um, little ditty. And he's obviously hallucinating that now suddenly, you know, she is now a part of this. Angela yes. is a part of this. Um, in the morning, Jesse busts into the kitchen. He's like, did you know about Nancy? And like, all this horrible stuff happened on this block and in this town, and and in this house. And his dad said, "Well, yeah, sure. How do we? How do you think we got such a good deal on the house?" Okay. And to be fair, I would move into a house where someone was killed. I don't, I I don't believe in that. You know what I mean? Would you do, alison what,
1: mm. what would you do? It'd have to be like a pretty good deal, Mm-hmm. like enough for me to do some renovations. Not where I'm like somebody's gonna kill me, but I'm like I don't want to think about that in my home.
2: Yes, yeah. Like, I'm so I mean, maybe was, like, like a deal, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, I mean for a deal? Yeah. Yeah, sure.
2: So Jesse's like in a rage like you you didn't you knew about this and and the mom didn't know either and the dad's like there is nothing wrong with this house. Meanwhile, behind him the toaster explodes into flames.
1: Great. Yeah. Also, let's not forget about the combusted
2: bird. The bird? One of your birds killed the other and then exploded in a ball of flame in their in your living room. In your living room. And now you But yeah, no there's nothing wrong flame. with the house. Yeah, like, Dad, open your eyes, you know? And then the dad puts out the fire, and he goes, huh, the toaster isn't even plugged in. Interesting, Father. Huh. So at school, Jesse meets up with Elisa, and she has unearthed some information about Freddy Krueger. She ends up driving him to an abandoned factory. Fred Krueger kidnapped 20 kids and brought them here and killed them. So Freddy Krueger is a serial child murderer, and now he's been given powers beyond his death to terrorize teens. Yes. Um, And she says, can you pick up anything? Like, are you picking up? Because she's like, okay, maybe you're picking up on some sort of psychic energy. Like, you know, like, is Freddy here? And he sees a cabinet, and he walks towards it, terrified. And he opens the door, and there's a little rat. It's actually very cute. You know, versus what we've seen. Just one rat seems fine.
1: Yeah, one rat in the scheme of this film is tolerable. That night... We see somebody bust out of the
2: basement and make its way up to Angela's room. And when she wakes up, she finds Jesse standing over her bed in like a fugue state. And when he goes to tuck her in, he looks down and he realizes he has the glove on.
1: Oh no. And he's
2: like, so now I have a glove on in my house when I'm like interacting with my family members. You hate to see it. So he's done. He's done what he has to do, which is he's mainlining caffeine pills. He's drinking coffee. He looks like absolute shit. He yes. just is, has been like, I cannot go to sleep. Unfortunately, Allison, there is a huge pool party this weekend, and all no. the kids are going to be there, even Jesse. And they end up going. Lisa, again, is rich, so everybody in school shows up, and her parents Great. are there, like, do it, making, you know, flipping burgers. But then, you know, at a certain point, they're like, okay, we're going to head up to bed. As soon as they go to bed and, like, the kids wait till their light turns off, They, like, bring out wagons full of beer, and everyone's, like, hooking up in the pool, just, like, going buck wild.
1: I mean, Um, fun.
2: Yeah. Oh, what a blast. And Jesse is not doing well. And so he kind of storms away to a cabana to sort of change to go home. And he tells, you know, Lisa, like, you can't do anything to help me. I'm going to leave. And Lisa's like, I want to be here for you. Like— I, I want to, whatever you need, I want to help you. And Jess is like, right. I'm concerned. If this is not real, then I'm losing my mind. And I just need to go home. Like,
1: I, I'm, they're going to commit me or something. Yeah. And it's so like they, e, the best case scenario, so like, answer to all of this is still, like, yeah. a problem.
2: Exactly. If this is not real, then I'm we're, still we're in bad shape. So, of course, yeah. they start making out. Naturally. Unfortunately, as soon as Lisa's eyes are closed, he's sort of like kissing down her body. And then Jesse's tongue becomes like a giant green, gray, like lizard mm. corpse tongue, no. like gigantically long. and starts like licking down her body and, and panicking. He claps his hand over his mouth and he starts rushing out. So, of course, he doesn't tell Lisa this. How do you say it? How do you say it to your girlfriend? I don't know. There isn't a way. You have I to now have Freddy Krueger's tongue in my mouth. Yeah.
1: Yeah, And so no. she
2: feels bad. Like, oh, she, he rejected me. So he runs right. home. He, but he doesn't it's run home. It's not you. It's my tongue. Yeah, it's right. hard. So he ends up running to Grady's house.
1: What the fuck you doing in my room? I need you to let me stay here tonight. Are you out of your mind? I killed Snyder. You what? Only it wasn't me, see? Something is trying to get inside my body. Yeah, and she's female, and she's waiting for you in the cabana. And you want to sleep with me.
2: And mm. Jesse's like, no, I don't know. I'm, like, real messed up. I need you to help me. Yeah. But it's sort of like, it's, it's just so explicitly like, okay, so that that's what we're talking about, you know? Right. And so Grady says, finally, yes, I will help you. What do you want me to do? And Jesse says, I want you to watch me. I'm going to fall asleep on your chair here. It's like a, it's very cozy looking, like, big um, armchair. If I start to act weird, if I try to walk out of here, do not let me leave. Yes, you, and and to do that, you can't fall asleep. And as soon as yes. he as soon as he lays down and closes I mean, his eyes, Grady also shuts out
1: the light and goes to sleep. Of Grady, course, because like yeah, that's what you you would be like. You're asleep. How could you even uh, like right. think know that I'm awake or not awake?
2: Gr- Grady does not understand the gravity of the situation. Now, yes. he d- Jesse did say that I killed the coach, which right. I would concern me more than him. But I guess it's high school. What are you supposed to do with that information? Which brings me to my question, Allison. At this point in the film, who will survive?
0: Who will survive?
1: I mean, it feels like definitely not Lisa. I feel mm-hmm. like she's going to go. I feel like Jesse survives in the end to kill Freddy, hopefully. Great. Though Freddy won't be dead. Um, and that the friend whose name I'm forgetting now will Grady. be dead. Grady. Grady's gone. Great. Okay. Well, uh, the second
2: Grady, if Grady falls asleep, Jesse wakes up and starts screaming, it's yeah. starting to happen again.
1: Yeah, of course. Of course it is.
2: And Grady sort of wakes up and goes over to him. And in this phenomenal sequence, Razor starts shooting from the ends of Jesse's fingertips. And then his skin starts splitting. And underneath the skin of his arms, you can see a red and green striped sweater, like, (gasps) splitting out. Freddy is inside of him. To the point where we see Freddy Krueger's face pressing out from the inside of his torso... So you see, like, the image of Freddy's face pushing from his stomach, and Jesse takes his new razor fingers and he slits open his own stomach. And then, uh, and Freddy crawls from inside a fully realized Freddy Krueger being. Jesse, of course, freaks the fuck out and is trying to get the door open, but he can't. And he's screaming for his parents. His parents run to the outside of the door. They're both trying to open it. They can't do it. Um. Unfortunately, before he can get out, Freddy Krueger just absolutely stabs his razor claws into Grady's beautiful body, yeah. and he is dead. Yeah. And then suddenly, Jesse comes to, and he is the one covered in blood, with you know <sighs> blo- viscera covering his yes. razor glove. Yes. And when he looks in the mirror, it shows him Freddy, who's laughing and sort of mimicking his actions. Yes. But now Jesse's like, now he's back in his body, and he's... Terrified, he's screaming, right? And we hear oh that Grady's parents have called the cops, so Jesse flees out the window. Oh, um, back at Lisa's house, she's talking to her friend Carrie. She's like, oh, I feel really bad, I feel like he rejected me. And Carrie's like, You know, if you like him, go to him, and just be like, I want to be clear, I like
1: do you, do not you know? go to him. <laughs>
2: And Lisa's like, you're right. So Lisa goes up to, you know, change out of her swimsuit. Literally, before, by the second she gets on changing and goes to the door, a blood-soaked Jesse bursts in. She's like, Freddy Krueger is inside me, and he wants me to He wants to do it again. He owns me. He's freaking out. And Lisa's like, okay, it seems like you are, you're psychotic. You're having a mental breakdown, okay? Yes. That's what's yes. happening, but you're safe here. And he's like, well, I'm covered in blood. You know, meanwhile, outside... Allison, as if things weren't bad enough. I mean, things are already bad. The pool is heating up. It's bubbling like a hot tub. Oh, Carrie's uh, outside, amazing. and she's like, ooh, could somebody turn down the pool? The pool is not heated. Beers are so hot, they start bursting from the heat. Okay. The hot dogs just burst into flames. But everyone's like eight, 17 and drunk and, like, making out. And so they're, they're like, "Yeah, Whoa, This is fine. Yeah. This is crazy. Inside right. the house. But, but nothing's wrong. Nothing is wrong yet, but things so that, are not good. Yes. But no. absolutely, yeah, things, this seems like a normal pool party. and We don't know what rich people have. Maybe they have a heated right. pool.
0: Right. Maybe they have hot dogs that, la-
2: that cook themselves. I don't know. Yes, I don't know. So Lisa refers back to Nancy's diary, and she says, you know, if Nancy could fight Freddy Krueger and live, which we know because it says in her diary, then you can fight back against him. Like, you could be strong enough, and you could reject him from invading your body. As they talk, all the doors and windows shut and lock themselves, including locking Lisa's parents in their room. Oh, so no. now they're sort of trapped. And Lisa is hypothesizing like if we believe in Freddie, this gives him strength, sort of like God, you know. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, Jesse then turns into Freddie and chases Lisa throughout his her home. It's like you could if you don't believe with him when you see him, you're a stronger uh, uh, person than I would be. Right. You know? No, I'd be
1: like, but I'm seeing it. It's happening.
2: And he, but, he sinks his teeth into her calf before she can get away. Oh, Meanwhile, outside, the swimming pool has started to boil with these teenagers yes. inside. And Lisa picks up a knife, and she's begging, like, Jesse, like, to resist it, like, fight him from within, because <laughs> she doesn't want to have to kill him. Right. And Freddie tells her in Jesse's voice, kill me, Lisa, please kill me. And she stabs him. But when she does, she can't draw blood. Like, it doesn't do anything.
1: What? Why
2: not? I don't know. And Freddie tells her, I love you, Lisa, and has this moment of regret. And I think we're supposed to think, like, Jesse is fighting, like, the influence of Freddie. Right, yes. And he throws Lisa to the side, and he leaps through the patio doors, and he disappears in midair. And there's a moment of calm where, like, all the kids are like, okay, so I guess, like, the party's back on. Like, I (laughs) guess— Oh, there's not, like, as much mayhem going on. Yes. Suddenly, Freddy bursts up out of the ground next to the pool and just starts fucking slashing kids. Like, oh, it's shit. just mayhem. He's and like, all the kids I'm are screaming. Here. And luckily, Lisa's dad, he makes it out of this ho- uh, out of his room, and he's able to get a shotgun.
1: He's like, oh, great, a serial killer's here, and I have to fucking kill him in front of all these kids. Like, somebody's here I mean, attacking like, it's like the children. Bad enough, right, yes. It looks bad, but also, like, bad enough, like, you wake up and, like, your kids having a massive party, and then that party has been crashed by a like psychotic serial killer that you <laughs> yeah. now have to take down. Like it's just right. one He's thing gone from on bad to, it's for a, worse. Ugh. Yeah, it's really a lot for a parent to take in.
2: Parenting teenagers. I just, I you know, it just it's my hats off to anybody who's able to do it well. You know, truly. So her dad runs out with a shotgun, but Lisa stops him from killing Freddie because she knows that that is also Jesse. So ostensibly, right. if you were to just shoot Freddy, it would kill Jesse. So mm-hmm. Freddy escapes, he passes through their hedge in like a ball of flame. Right. And Lisa's dad, like, where did he go? But Lisa knows. So she goes alone. Uh, again, can't can't fathom it. At least bring Carrie, your useless friend. Yeah. She, somebody. She goes to the abandoned factory where we knew Kruger had gone to kill um all those kids. And right. she encounters these, like, uh, my favorite, another favorite part of the film, we, you never see them again. They're two Rottweilers, that, but they have human baby faces. No. And they're guarding the factory, but they don't really do much because she's able to get in. But just, like, the, the image of, like, a dog with a human baby, like no. a disgusting baby's face, ooh, it's so good.
1: No. The whole movie should have too... been about those dogs. Yeah, give me more story on, like, what that is and why that is. <laughs> And so um, Elisa makes
2: it into the factory and she's trying to hunt down Freddy slash Jesse and she's screaming and, and, and she, at one point she looks down and her bite mark is covered in ants and she's like no. trying to brush them off and then like she looks back and it's totally fine and it's covered with a bandage like she keeps hallucinating and finally oh. Freddy confronts her and when she says I love you Jesse the stab when she gave him started to bleed so I think we're supposed to think like okay Jesse's influence is, is pushing He's through Freddy's beating. control yes Yes. Yeah, like, unfortunately, he is bleeding, but it means, like, he is now more human than Freddy. Yeah, yeah. And she tells Freddy, I'm going to take him back from you, and you're going to go back straight to hell. And I guess we're to think that the force of her love has strengthened Jesse's will to live and sort of weakened Freddy, and she gets closer and closer until she and Freddy kiss, which is vile. Yes. And he pushes her away, but that was just enough. Suddenly, the factory goes up into flames, and Freddie's body is consumed by fire, and he's like melting and turning into like a desiccated little husk.
1: Yes until finally, of course,
2: he explodes, and his of body course, as all things do. And his body turns into like a charred lump. But luckily, when the flames die down, the lump sort of like starts to split apart, and Jesse is inside of it. And Jesse is alive. And, and Lisa runs over and he kind of she knocks away the, <sighs> the remains of Jesse's body and goes to him. Okay. Sometime later, we are back on the bus, and Jesse's mm. home, and he has bandaged wrists, and and okay. Lisa and Carrie greet him, and they all get on the bus, and you know Carrie's like that was such a great party, oh. and Lisa says I don't want to talk about it, and but they're <laughs> all they all this. seem fine, everyone seems healthy, go right. on the bus. Unfortunately, okay. Jesse says, "Am I going crazy, or is this bus going too fast?" And Lisa, Carrie, like it's it's t- fine, it all feels it's not going too fast, and he's yelling at the bus driver to stop, like panicking. And then he does at the next bus stop. And all the kids turn and stare at him. And he's like, I'm sorry. And, you know, like, this is like, it's fine. It's totally reasonable for you yeah. to be freaked I mean, out. It would be
1: absolutely understandable for you to be freaking out at things. Yeah. And, like, for having real intense life. reactions. Yeah, forever.
2: Yeah. And Carrie tells him it's all over. Unfortunately, Freddie's arm then just shoots through Carrie's torso. And <laughs> all the kids scream as the bus drives out into the desert once again. And that is the end. Elson. Wow, they yeah. really closed the
1: loop on the desert.
2: And I guess what I like about Freddy is you can't kill him, so then you, it's just all about the fun. Like, what can yeah. we do to have fun with
1: him? He while is him, fun. You know? He is, there's a lot of fun to him.
2: Yeah. So I wanted to talk about, um, as it is Pride Month, there is a documentary that came out um, fairly recently called Scream Queen, and it was made by Mark Patton, who plays Jesse. And it's all okay. about sort of like the complicated legacy, both personal and cinematic, of this film. Yes. And it's about, you know, sort of LGBTQ fans who loved it as kids and then love it now as like a camp classic, But Mm -hmm. then Mark uh, um, Patton basically being like, I was a closeted gay actor, and this movie sort of fucked up my career because I got associated with this gay, obviously gay movie in a time, it's it's 1985, when that was just, you couldn't do that. Absolutely not. And part of the central um, conflict, I guess, of the documentary is sort of like, whether or not the filmmakers um, are willing to address that part of it, if that makes sense. Because from Mark's perspective, as a closeted gay man, it's obviously supposed to be like a gay movie. Yes. He's a scream queen in a lot of ways. Like, he's a Mm -hmm. male. Totally. uh, He's a final girl, but he's a a guy. And there's also, you know, it's like nudity and and S&M clubs. And he always felt like the the screenwriter David Chesick sort of denied for a long time that that is, like, what he was going for in the film in a way that okay. now feels absurd. Like, it's like, if right. someone wrote this movie now, it's like, oh, this is a gay movie. It's it's kind of a comedy. But it's a gay—you're yeah. using gay elements. It's, you know, the,
1: the, the sub—whether you want to call it subtext or not. The subtext or like, and the visuals and, like, and even just watching the trailer. And, like, of course, I looked at it through the lens of we're doing movies that have— gay themes in them all month. So I knew, like, right. to be looking for that. But even just watching the trailer, it just seems, like, without knowing what the plot was, like, this has gay themes in it and gay visuals right. that seem very undeniable in 2021. So, and I guess, like,
2: I guess uh, David chesick for a long time was like, no, like, this is just, like, the things that I found interesting and, like, with the studio, you know, wanted to make it about... And then eventually he sort of came out and was like, yeah, I I was writing to these themes. Um, The director, Jack Shoulder, was like, I really didn't understand that that's what the movie's about. And I think it's interesting because that seems absurd. But also, it kind of reminds me of, like, Liberace or, like, Paul Lind, where, like, you Mm -hmm. had these really famous gay uh, personalities. And, like, there was people who obviously knew they were gay and obviously knew that that was part of the joke. And then you had, like, their parents who, like, didn't, even think of that in a way that seems almost unfathomable now. Like, it seems ridiculous. But I do wonder, at least with regards to the director, obviously the filmmaker, he wrote the movie. I mean, even S&M
1: Club, you know, like... Yeah, with like a, a high school boy and his male coach. Like...
2: Yes. That's,
1: you know... And then
2: you have like, oh, you know, he's about to hook up with his girlfriend. He can't do it. So he runs to his incredibly hunky friend's house and was like, something is inside of me. I need you to, you know, I need to be here with you. Yes. So I think, you know, these are the larger issues of, you know, gayness, queerness, and horror is sort of like, what elements are we drawing upon? How— On what level are we addressing them? And again, is this homoerotic or is this homophobic? And Mark Patton felt like this really pigeonholed him as like a gay actor. Like I could only be in gay movies. And eventually, and I guess they meet in the documentary. I haven't seen it. But uh, the screenwriter's like, I guess he, he felt like he sort of came to an understanding and felt like they had a good conversation about it. Um, okay. Now, obviously, decades later, and right. and the yeah. screenwriter did eventually say, you know, like yes, I was playing with those themes. It wasn't just like, you know, he. It, it, and again, it's absurd it, from two thousand twenty one to try to pretend that you were not at least playing with those elements. Right. But I don't know. In the eighties, I guess you had to pretend that that wasn't wasn't about. I don't know. It's it's hard to understand. why yeah. Why put those in the movies? You're
1: you're not going to be honest about like what right. you're doing. You know. Otherwise then it's very, like, reductive and, like, well, we won't talk about it and we'll pretend exactly. it's not there. But it is there, and so people can— re- and it's like, well, that's kind of not fair um, yeah. to the people in it and to the people viewing it.
2: Yeah, and Mark F- Patton felt like, you know, it just sort of— he, was, he wasn't he was out at the time. He's out now. Obviously, right. he's an adult man. But, like, it was— it sort of outed him in a way that he wouldn't have done had he known that that right. was what the movie's going to be. But, you
1: right. know, you're always getting rewrites, you know, that kind of thing. So it's, you know, movies start as one thing and end up as another often, but I don't think looking at this trailer and hearing this movie that that's what happened here. Yes,
2: yeah. and again, it's 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 unfathomable to me to have somebody be like, uh, I wasn't doing that or that's not what this was or like I, I didn't wasn't intentionally making it gay. I mean, I don't think that's true, but also again, there's so many things that we look at as gay now. Things that are made now that are not acknowledged as gay, that are or feel gay, or feel queer in some sense. So, I don't know. I I guess it's like, I'm sympathetic to the idea that, like, could you make this movie and not know it's gay?
1: I couldn't. But, no. Maybe somebody did. Benefit of the doubt, maybe somebody did. But at the same time, today. And knowing our culture.
2: No. Yeah, so I would say if you want to sort of have more uh, perspective on it and sort of hear about Mark. Patton's perspective on it now as an adult man looking back. Uh, take a look at um, that documentary. I believe it's on Shutter. It definitely is on streaming somewhere. But um, yes, gayest horror f- horror film of all time. Well, that means we just need to make gayer films of this. Is my yeah, takeaway? This, yeah,
1: it's like lean, like go for it, like have something that really like adopts and uses the
2: themes
1: right. of queerness and gayness and and lean in and make it, you know acknowledge that it's about that and not just using those things to make something salacious but never actually leaning in and and talking about them and having them be satisfactorily, like, developed into the plot.
2: Yeah, and I do think it makes a difference, you know, like, if somebody, if you're an LGBTQ horror filmmaker making something, I do feel like you're able to bring to it something that, if a straight person was making this film... Especially if they're doing it not knowing what they're doing, yes. it's like okay, well, we're yes. gonna then we're gonna miss out. Then is yeah. my is my takeaway from this situation at yes. least. Absolutely. Um, but in the meantime, fatal mistakes, Allison.
1: Fatal mistakes. I would say not telling your parents about all of the problems early on and being like, yeah. I need to not sleep here and we need to move, or at least like I'd be like, take me to a like a very protected, observed psychiatric environment where it's not my, like, hot friend whose responsibility it is to not let me murder people as someone else in my nightmares.
2: Right. At the same time, it's very tricky because from what we've seen of Freddy, he cannot be killed. Yeah. He can barely be controlled. Even when you're trying to fight him, he's out here slashing teens left and right. Yeah. This is a hard movie to be like, someone can make a mistake. Nobody invites this. It's like you move move to town and this shit starts happening.
1: Yeah, it's kind of an unfortunate, unavoidable terror. So, you know, they did their best.
2: (laughs) I think, yeah, I think, I mean, his parents should have been more, um, you know, appreciative and listened more. Other than that, I feel like everyone really did try, you know, I mean, they did their best.
1: They did their best.
2: And then finally, Allison, where would you put this film on the spooky scale?
1: A spooky scale. I mean, I think you know a six. Okay, I great. Think the el- I think the 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 element of the that you cannot um, is like that. The only way you cannot engage with Freddy is to be awake forever, and that you can't kill him either way. Right. makes it pretty scary. But you know, this also is fun, yes. and that takes away from the scariness.
2: Yeah, I definitely feel like I'm gonna give this. I'm gonna give it a four because I feel like it's more fun. You know, like it's, it's we're, we're, it's, we're here for the effects and for like the t- tennis balls flying up the shelf and hitting yes. people in the face. But yes. there is the like very. Birds. Oh my God, the birds are the best part. But there is like very, I'm like very sympathetic and something very scary to me about like a teenager who's totally isolated who has to like try to avoid sleep and like try to yeah. mainline caffeine. That part is really scary. And I feel like That's does scary. make something that is silly um, into something scarier. So I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to give it a four. Um, But guys, we we hope that you enjoyed this. Yes, it's a fun one. Obviously, we will get to every other Nightmare on Elm Street um, movie yes. eventually. I'm gonna in be honest; I've only seen two of them. I like this one better than the first one. I, I know that's gonna this be a one kind of seemed commercial. Like more statement. fun. I had fun the first one. I liked it, but like we're just getting to know Freddy in the first one. This one, right. we got it. We've we've hit a comfortable rhythm. So now we yeah. get to just enjoy him this bursting out two. of people's. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And eventually we'll get to date three and, you know, we'll be really, we'll be married to him eventually. Yeah, one day. But until then. <laughs> if things pan out. <laughs> if things pan out, we will both, we'll be polygamist married to uh, Freddie Krueger. <laughs>
1: all of us, including
2: you listening. All of
1: us. Everybody listening um, in our sleep and in
2: real life. And if you want to start writing your vows now, please email them to us at ruined at
1: We will collate them for Freddie. Yes. Yes. He'll want, he'll want to know how everybody feels about eternity with him. So this is good. Again, you could always follow us
2: at uh, Ruin Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And we love hearing from you
1: and just yes. love you in general. Yes, we love you so much. And please keep listening. Rate, review, subscribe, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But like for real, do those things. Um, but you're already here, which is a great first step. So yeah. keep on listening. And until
2: the until next then, episode. Please. You must. Keep it spooky. Keep it spooky. Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder, recorded and edited by Kat Iosa.
0: Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat,